Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today we're speaking with Writers of the Future 25 winner, Mike Wood, all the way from England. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hi, John. Good to be here. It's great to be speaking with you. It was, uh, I guess, Emily sent around a, um, an email just seeing how people were, and then you responded, and it w- went from there to uh, scheduling this interview. So this is great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. I've uh, been looking forward to doing this. Well, I've been very much in, in, interested in, uh, in talking with you. I said I was amazed when we, when we connected up just before starting this interview. It just seemed like a few years ago, but it's already 11, 11 years, my word. It's incredible how time flies. I, can, I kind of look back on it and think, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't long at all. And yeah, the decades gone. It's amazing. It's yeah. totally amazing. So you're obviously your career right now is not as your primary career is not a writer. You're a, what do you do well, as your main profession? I am now retired. I was a finance manager. I worked right. in, uh, in accountant finance and that was up until about three years ago, but I took early retirement. So I could say I'm full-time writing, but it's not quite true. I kind of, okay. I'm doing as much writing as I did. And in fact, it's harder when you retire to find the time to do the things that you want to do. So, uh, so I'm probably still at the same, the same quantity of writing, maybe a little bit more. Right, right. So on um, the writing as, as an accountant, when you were entering the contest and aspiring to a writer, when did you start or when did you first aspire to be a writer? I, it goes back quite a long way. I, I, even right back at school, I did, I, I wrote a play called The Time Machine with, with another lad. And I'd like to say it started then, but in truth, we just did it so we didn't have to go out in the playground in the cold. It was, um, <laughs> it was a way of hiding inside in the English room with a tape recorder and producing this thing. So it wasn't really then. Uh, it, it, it properly started, I think, back in about 85. I wrote a letter of complaint to the newspaper but it wasn't just a standard letter. I lost it with, I have a particular sense of humor, which uh, the, the letter was then printed and it was a star letter and I got all kinds of feedback and it had my name on it at the bottom. And I thought, well, this is really cool. I quite like the idea of it. And I was re- I read a lot, obviously. I speak to anyone who gets anywhere with writing and they read huge amounts. Right. So suddenly there's the thing that uh, you can do it yourself and try it. So then I I was hooked from then. I started writing short stories and sending them out to magazines and, and stuff. And it just built up, built and built from there. The big, the big difference really came when, um, I around about 2007. I, first of all, in 2007, I won the, the Jim Bay Memorial contest with a story. Right. And, couldn't go to Dallas to pick up the prize because work got in the way and I only had about a month to sort it out. And I was gutted and I thought, this is dreadful. Uh, what a chance. <laughs> what an opportunity. Buzz Aldrin was there and I thought, oh, I could oh, meet Buzz wow. Oh, that's awful. And it'll never happen again. And my wife said, well, just, you know, you never know. It will happen. It's going to happen again. And the year after, I won Writers of the Future. And on that occasion, I did get to go to the States. So, uh, so it worked out good. All, it, worked out well in the end yeah that's good 
Now, you've, you've specialized in writing short fiction, or have you, have you dabbled in novels? I mainly wrote short fiction up until after Writers of the Future. I did have an idea for a novel that I've been fiddling around with since 1985. The first draft I wrote on shorthand notepads on yeah. the train to and from work. I filled about 10 of these things up. And it was only after that I started doing a few more, doing a few more. And that eventually came out to be Deep Space Accountant, which I have published as part of the Sphere of Influence series. I've self-published that one. Right. That's, uh, it's probably something people might want to hear about, the self-publishing as opposed to the, sure. the traditional publishing, which is... Okay, so know. tell me about that from your perspective on that. Yeah, well, on, on, I've self-published eight books, I think, seven or eight books. Uh-huh. It shows, shows you're doing well when you can't actually quite remember the exact <laughs> That's That's the plus point. Because uh, I do both. I do science fiction. I've done short stories as well. All the short stories are traditionally published. They go uh-huh. to magazines. If they get accepted, great. Or if they win prizes, great. But So I've got the two strands going, really, because I suppose you come up with a story idea and some are suited to short fiction and you know it right and some you th- this will not work as a short thing this is going to be long right and it right go longer than you even expected so on yeah. now one thing i think that would be i mean two things that were that i want to be able to uh talk to you about here one is how you're able to manage because i think this is something that a lot of listeners would be interested in how you manage a career and a writer, like a career as an accountant, and then as yeah. a writer, how did you juggle it? And I'm assuming family as well. So how yeah. do you, how do you juggle that whole thing, and what worked for you? For me, when I was when I was working, I'm now retired, so as I say, right. so it's it's a it's a little easier. But when I was working, being an accountant is quite demanding hours. You have sure, to put in a few hours a day. It didn't help that where I worked was an hour and a half commute on right. transport each way. Oh, okay. So that yeah. was three hours sitting on a bus or train and I could have my laptop on my knee and be in the back of the bus just lost in it. I'd nip out at lunchtime. I'd only, I only got half an hour, but there was a coffee shop right outside where I worked. So straight away, it's over the road, half an hour of writing. And um, I'm really just fitting it in. And it's amazing when you're doing a book, 100,000 word book, you only have to write a few hundred words each sitting. Mm-hmm. And they're done. They're finished. And they add up. It's very, very quickly you get a full novel. So it's, uh, it's, it's totally doable. You can quite easily fit it in. I think sometimes when you're trying to fit it into a short amount of space, it's easier than having all the time in the world and just saying, right, I'm now going to spend all day because things <laughs> then don't get in your way and stop you doing it. So, right. Yeah, but, but no, it's, it's, it is, it's doable. But basically, if somebody says they can't do it, it's their own lack of motivation. Not, yeah, it's absolutely. not a fact of life. It's, it's an actual. No, it isn't. You can always do it. Yeah. Even if you just spend 10, 15 minutes a day, the key is doing it every day. Right. I would say that's that's the key factor every day. There's no because it's not work. It's something you do because you enjoy it. Because if you didn't do it for enjoyment, you'd pack in very very quickly. Sure, it's, sure. Uh, it's it's not sustainable if you're doing it thinking you're going to earn riches at the end of it. You do it because you like writing stories. You like the response from people who read your stories and enjoy them. 
and um, just doing a little bit each day, it's uh, it's soon mounts up. Oh, that's good. So now you had mentioned that you were um, self-publishing. So what do you see as the uh, shortcomings and the uh, successful aspects of that for you? Yeah, the um, first of all, I suppose the shortcomings of it, when you when you publish in the traditional sense as a gatekeeper, there's, you, you, you send your book to a publisher and if it doesn't meet their criteria, it's just not going to get anywhere. And that in itself should be enough to really stop self-publishing being a success. But the, uh, w- what tends to happen, publishers very often have their, their own agenda. They will have, they'll be looking for a particular style of book and yours might be very good, but doesn't fit that publisher's particular style. It might be that they have their ideas on what people want to read. But in fact, if you have a passion about what you're writing and that works, you're surprising sometimes that um, no, the, the readers are out there. They will read. They will read them. And I found that to be quite successful. My, the first book that I did, the Deep Space Accountants, a science fiction story about an accountant, doesn't sound particularly <laughs> like it's a great winner, but it's worked. It's uh, it's 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 very popular, and I've get nothing but praise for it. And which is great. I've, I've just I, I love it when you get a, someone emails you to say how much they in, enjoyed the book. But the traditional publishers didn't want it because it 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 just didn't fit into any any niche place. And that's that's the beauty of self publishing. And of course, you've got you've also got total freedom. You you choose your own covers. You can pick an editor who you can work well with and who you're comfortable with. Right. Um, my, my editor actually is in from in, lives in Texas. Um, so it's not like someone local. And with the internet now, it doesn't matter. The, I've got my editors in Texas. The cover designer lives in the Philippines. And you can do all of this and just work it from your own desktop. And it's, uh, it, it's that in itself, just the process of putting it all together with the different people gives you a bit of a buzz. That's great. And you mentioned the point about having an editor. That's, I think that's an important thing that that's self-publishers important. don't realize the importance of. Absolutely. It's very true. I, I, the first, the, the, the way I, I met, I, I found the editor, she said, send over 3,000 words and I'll have a look at it and I'll see if, I, if she liked it. That's good. If I like what she feeds back to me, that's good. And we can see if we can work together. Right. I sent the most perfect 3,000 words over without a single, absolutely flawless. And I thought she's not going to find anything. And it came back with about 10 marks on each page. It was covered. <laughs> it was absolutely covered in ink. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. But she was right. Everything, everything was there. And I still, I'm getting better. It's a learning curve as well. All, sure. I'm actually learning from all the feedback I get, but I'm not absolutely not right yet. I'm always amazed at the things she finds and, and corrects. So it's, it's vital. And you read quite a lot of, I think the, the drawback of self-publishing, there's millions of books out there that haven't been through that process and they drag it all down. They, you read them in a page, you think, oh, no, no, it's full of mistakes. It's, you desperately need a, a proper editor. And that's really important advice, I think, because as people go more and more towards self-publishing, 
it is a thing where they, oh, good, I'll just write it and it looks good. My mom said it was great. And my wife says it yeah. looks great. And my husband, so here we go. And it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's just pure tripe. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Just not, not only the grammar, but plot holes that you just, you never saw. Right. And you, when they point it out to you, you cringe and, oh, no, how <laughs> did I miss that? It's there. And the it's, fact is you it did. Needs, it needs fixing. Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually very very good. I mean, we're doing this as a as an audio podcast, but we've got it on Skype here, so I'm watching and you're watching me, and I can't help yeah. but notice in the background there's. I said, "Wait, I recognize that image," and I opened up Volume 25 and I looked and went, "That's the illustration drawn by Evan Jensen for your story that's right behind you over your right shoulder." There, it is. Yes, <laughs> yes. it is. Yeah, that wasn't set up. It's just yeah, I've got it on my wall there still. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it looks like there's yeah. a uh, the uh, looks like a certificate from the Los Angeles. Is that upper right hand corner? Of Los, from the, the, yeah, from the mayor of Los Angeles. I was very very proud of that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that came that came a few weeks after yeah, yeah. after the ceremony. And uh, it's very very elaborate certificate. It it's, is. Uh, it's lovely. It is. Yeah, I've done. I've done a screen grab of this. Uh, of this thing doing. So I'm going to post this when I post your uh, interview. I'll be able to when they so they can know what it is that we're talking about when I say, "Oh yeah, there's your image there." So I'll make sure this is the uh, image that's used. But um, should should have brushed me hair. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the scene there in, in UK on on science fiction or aspiring writers or writing groups? Anything in particular that? specifically in the UK makes it a little bit different than maybe what we're experiencing here in the United States on just the, the curve and what's being done to, to grow new science fiction writers? I don't think it's any particularly different. The world's become, become a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, and you don't really, I don't see myself as being, I suppose I'm in Sifwa, Science Fiction yeah. Writers of America, and I feel a little bit isolated from that because obviously all the events that happen for them happen in the States, sure. apart from the world con that comes over here. So there is a sense that you're a little bit isolated, but writers, we're, we're isolated anyway. We don't, we don't <laughs> have an awful lot. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We're locking our, locked away in our rooms for the most part. No, so, uh, specific things. There are. There's, we have the British Science Fiction Association, right? Which is it's not one you 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 have to um, achieve certain levels to get in. Anyone can join, and it's right. as much for fans as for writers. Within that, they have a group called the Orbiters, which is a crit group, which is specifically science fiction crit groups, and I'm part of one of the Orbiter groups. They are the, every month we submit a story. We all look at each other's stories. We crit them, and that kind of feedback is really important. We have our conventions, the same as same as you do. Right. We have Easter Con each year, but obviously not this year. But um, yeah, there's there is a, there's quite a strong a strong scene. It's actually divided up around the country, though. We're only a little island, but a lot of it happens down in London. So where I am up in the northwest, I'm still a little bit isolated from most <laughs> of the uh, most of the good stuff that goes on. I see. So I tend to, I tend to look at it globally. I'm part yeah. of a, a global scene with it. Yeah. Okay, well that makes sense. How did you originally find out about writers of the future? Uh, in a nineteen 19- 80s, I think it's about 1985 or six. I can't remember. I went into a, a news agents. We have a chain of news agents called W. H. Smiths, and I was on my lunch hour from work, and I picked up 
I think it might have been the very first or second right. Writers of the Future book. Yeah, wow. And, um, that's which is going going back quite a way. And I got, I read it and loved it, loved every story in it. Noticed in the back there was a tear out. It wasn't internet in those days. It was a tear out piece of paper where you could fill in details and apply to send your stories off. At that time, I, my writing was, I was still at the point of sending stuff to newspapers. I was, I thought, wow, that would be really good. That would be a wonderful thing to win. Filed it away in my mind and didn't do any more about it. It was only back in 2007, I think, that I had a story that seemed to be the right length that I sent away. So it, it took a while between finding out about it and actually doing anything about it in the, uh, in the end. But it worked out for me because it was it was the first it was the first one I sent to writers. Of the oh, really? So you won first yeah, entry. I was first go. In many ways, it's, it's a nice thing to have that, but it's also it's a shame because I missed out on all the uh, the oh I've got an honourable mention oh I'm a final I'm I'm a, I'm a semi finalist yeah. and all of that sending in every quarter, which is really good discipline actually. That uh, I did I missed all that. I just ended up winning the thing in the first. Well, that's the first shouts. It was good, but that's definitely good. good. And bad side to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely good that you that you did that. I mean, now with it with the era of uh, the internet, that people are able to take pictures of their certificates and post them and share them is is always a fun thing, and yeah. it just it adds that encouragement that is oftentimes yeah. needed to keep on going to persist. Some, yes. Yeah. You know, some people have will will amass 70, 80, 90 rejects before their first sale, and it's very hard to keep going. It is. Yeah. And every one, every rejection that comes, is almost the one that stops you. And you said, "That's it. I'm not doing it again. I had enough. This was a perfect story. Why are they rejecting it?" <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, well, I'll send it somewhere else, and I'll have to go. I'll start something new. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a very definite thing is just keep on sending it around. And yeah, it's one of one of Robert Heinlein's rules. I it think, is. Number, it is. Keep on, two or three, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, keep yeah. it on the market. Yeah. Exactly, until it sells. So you've got this, This you said you got seven or eight or however many novels. Is it all one series? No. Um, I'm not just science. I don't just do science fiction. Um, I've got three books in a science fiction series. Yeah. I've got one with one book out, which is a collection of short stories, most of which are previously published in in magazines and and the like. But I've also I, 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 all the science fiction books I publish under my name with a spelt with a J M J K E, not yeah. with an I. And I do that to separate my science fiction from the other stuff, which is travel writing. I have we have a caravan trailer, as you call them in the states which we tow off every summer and go around. And I started producing, I started writing about them. We keep a, a diary in the caravan of what we've been up to. Usually disasters, rain, wind, <laughs> things bad yeah. happening. Nature, and yeah. I, I thought it'd be nice to put them into a book, mainly just for my own interest. And the kids might be interested in it because they were, they were part of, part of what we did. Yeah. Uh, and, I, to to make it look like a book, I self-published it, 
and the, it sells as much as the science fiction stuff sells. Wow. It's, over here, it's, it's really popular. And I did a follow-up to it. Uh, the first one's traveling in a box, the follow-up's two in a box, because that was after the kids left home. Yeah. And um, a third one is in mind, which will be flying in a box, because I didn't fly until we flew to L.A. for the Writers of the Future ceremony so as part it's the first time we ventured out of the caravan so everything i've written about the caravan happened prior to that so i've got in mind bringing it up to date to do that so um that's gone that's they're going really well and every time i look at my sales i think oh well my travel books are doing better than my science fiction i'm going to be a travel writer forget the science fiction and then the next week oh it's gone the other way no no i'll do a science fiction book next so it's uh it's just nice. And there is no crossover whatsoever. I'd never come across anybody who's read both of them. People either like one or the other, which is strange. I thought there'd be some, but uh, it's two distinct audiences. And again, both very niche publishers would not be interested in the Caravan book, that's for sure. But, Unless you travel to the moon, in which case you could do a crossover. Oh, yeah, they're quite possibly. So tell me yeah. about, your, so tell me about your, your novels, your science fiction trilogy. I'm interested. What, yeah. What's that about? Right. Deep Space Accountant. It's about Elton Philpott. Elton D. Philpott is a junior accountant. He has just passed his, he's just had his qualification for the Chartered Institute of Relativistic Accountants. But he wants better. He wants something more. He wants to join the Space Corps. That's the, the big thing, to be part of the Space Corps Accountancy Division. That's his dream. He gets an interview for a job, and it's the worst interview you can imagine. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. He's, he falls into a fish pond just before the actual interview. It's a disaster. And in the, during the interview, he can't answer any of the questions. It's a total fail, and he knows it. And towards the end, the phone rings. The, incident, the guy in, in charge of the interview panel looks a bit surprised and says, okay, well, welcome to the Space Corps. Obviously, some, something has happened on the phone call that's got him in there. And he, so he's, he's happy enough. He's got the job. It's not what it pans out to be. It's, uh, the work's a bit boring, but things then start to happen. He has this gift. He has a gift with numbers, not a normal accountancy gift, but he sees patterns in numbers and shapes and, he's, and he starts to spot things in the accounts that just don't add up. And, um, and that really is when it all starts to go downhill for him because he gets embroiled in, in a ship being destroyed and a conspiracy right at the top level of the Space Corps. And he's the only one who can sort it out. And he ends up on him and a few others on the run trying to be tracked down. And I won't say any more than that because it might give too much away, but um, that's the basis of the first book. The second book is a lollipop of influence, and I won't say anything about that one because <laughs> it's taken from a completely different perspective. Some of the same characters, but not the ones you would expect. That one, I would do it. That just the intro for that would be a spoiler for the first book, and it finishes off with the spherical trust. I have to, I emphasise the tert at the end of trust because uh, <laughs> people miss mishear that one. Yeah, yeah they're, they're they're the three books. 
it's, it's wrapped the series up, it's finished with, but I do have an idea for a fourth one, which is a complete standalone, which won't have anything to do with it, other than being set in that universe, but uh, who knows. Got it. And this is, the, yeah. people can find this one on Amazon? It's on Amazon, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. And it's under Mike? M-J-K-E. Your science fiction is M-J-K-E? Science fiction is M-J-K-E. Oh, okay, I had it backwards. Okay, so M-J-K-E yeah. is Wood is the uh, science fiction. I started doing that just after the only the only published science fiction stories I've got with the I, Mike with an I, the conventional spelling, are the writers of the future and the Jim Bain ones. The rest are, um, because it was just after that that I decided to, to use it. I get it. It, I, it, mainly came, it mainly came down to the need for a website. Yeah. One of the things that was... Was told we were told get a website. It's very important to have a website. Yeah. Now, being my normal spelling of Mike Wood, there's a we've got a, a, a politician called Mike Wood. There's a San Francisco basketball player called Mike Wood. I only found this out when I was trying to do it. And they've all got all the websites. So yeah. um, in the end, I thought well, I'd already used the J spelling to get my internet, my email address back in the 90s when I first wanted it to avoid having a big number at the end of my name. Yeah. So, so I just use, use the same one as I've got for my email address and it all ties up nicely then. So that way I can have a nice clean mjkewood.com uh, website. Oh, that's so great. Just, it makes it a lot easier to find. And yeah. So what um, advice do you have for aspiring writers, maybe that who are retired? You know, someone like, you know, they've always wanted to be a writer, but they're just like, no, it's, I'm too old now to start. And that's because in Writers of the Future, there's no age limit. There's just... No, no, it, that's... Uh, I would say, I, yeah, I, I think I would say starting later, you... you you're entering the game with a wealth of experience, a wealth of life stories that you've acquired over the years. Yeah. And if you're interested in writing, you've probably read an awful lot of books. And so you know how it works. You know how plot works at an instinctive level without having to really think too hard about it. There's a lot of advantages for, uh, there's no reason. Uh, the, the book I've just finished, I'm, going to try sending it out to an agent just because it's standalone i thought I'll, I'll try the traditional way for this one book just to see how it goes with no worries at all um if the agents don't like it i'll self-publish it but i have I've, i'm i'm 63 now i don't worry about being too old to send something out to an agent and i don't worry about i, I produce the books and i'm happy with them and people read them Good. Well, that makes sense. So what, what would you suggest then for someone who wants to get started writing? What would you give them as some of the, the tips that you would suggest that they uh, that may look at? I would say start with short fiction. Some people don't agree with it, but I think oh, start with short fiction because you've got, the, you've got room to try and fail and try again and fail without it taking two years in between each iteration right it's not all stories fit short fiction you've got it's got to be the right the right story to make right. to work but um i would certainly say when you're starting off that's produced the quantity by just writing lots of short stories and you'll know whether they're any good because you send them out and you notice a change in the quality of the rejection slips 
yeah. not just the rejection slip. There's the one which is just printed by our magazine and nothing, nothing much else. And then you'll get the ones that say, oh, well, we'd quite like to hear more. And then you'd say the one, dear Mike, we really enjoyed this and, and we liked how you did so-and-so, but, and you know, you're getting close then, but they still keep going. I still, I, I still get them all the time now. Yeah. But, uh, I still get the, still get the first type actually now, the ones <laughs> that are just uh, by our magazine, you obviously haven't read it kind of thing. But, yeah. But they're, they're less frequent than they used to be now. Yeah. So as regards to the value of writers of the future as, as a tool to be able to start your career, what, would, what can you say about that? Again, going back to the short stories, not only sending them to magazines, but entering contests is really important. And obviously for me, writers of the future was a, a total game changer because of what I learned on it and for the credibility it gives you as well. And it's also, it's good for your self-confidence because you think, yeah, actually, I'm not, I can, I can do this. I'm not just, you know, doing it for the fun of it. And I would always, I would always say, yeah, enter Writer of the Future, all the writing contests. It's really important. Tell me about the, the week that you had uh, with Writers of the Future. Who, was, who were the, the uh, judges that were there that had the most uh, lasting impression for you? Ken Powers was brilliant. He, uh, he, I'd read a couple of his books beforehand, and he's, he was re really, uh, just really talking. We, we just hit it off. He was, he was very good. Um, we had um, Katie Wentworth. Sadly, she's not with us anymore. Right. But uh, right. she was, the two of them ran our, our week, really. Yeah. And uh, the, all the time we were coming, we had guest, guest writers coming in. And, yeah, it was... It's a tremendous week. We learned so much from it. That's great. So before we uh, wrap it up here, any particular things you'd like to say to, um, I guess, to readers as to why they should like sit down and download a Mike Wood book and how they're going to find it? Just as one last little wrap up here so that, because um, I think that your, your story about the, the, your science fiction accountant just sounds fascinating to me. <laughs> Uh, I've, well, we, we're recording this while we're everywhere's locked down with the virus. The world at the moment is a pretty miserable place. And I, for one, when I turn on Netflix or whatever, or pick up a book, I don't particularly want any more misery. There's enough of it going about. My books are lighthearted. I, I think we all need to laugh at things. I would say that's a pretty strong reason there's not an awful lot of lightweight, easygoing, fun, fun reading out there. Yeah. So, but you can you can always find one of mine. <laughs> okay, great. That's great. So on your website, social presence, uh, how do people reach you? Yeah, uh, mikewood.com, M-J-K-E-W-O-O-D.com. Great. Um, I'm on I'm on Facebook and Twitter and uh, and the the usual, but uh, but the, the website's the main the main thing and and sign up for the newsletter via the website and you'll get a free book oh good well that's a that's a good yeah, reason they, to they, visit they, yeah. i send out i give i give my collection short stories out as a freebie to anyone who signs up for the uh for the newsletter oh yeah. good well that's great well thank you very much mike for this interview and thank you and thank you for listening subscribe to the writers of the future podcast wherever you get your podcasts 
Writers and Illustrators of the Future contest created by L. Ron Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you very much. It's been great.